anywhere on the planet better to be in January than Minnesota. I mean, I've had to put up with Florida at this time of year, and it's just, it's a real bummer, you know, but, but it's, it's good to be with you today. It really is, and, and experience what God is doing. Usually, Mark kind of apologizes. He'll even tell people, he doesn't sound like us, you know. Well, uh, well this, uh, as a matter of fact, tomorrow, I'll be flying to Mississippi. Guess what? They don't sound like me, and so anyway, uh, but but it's thrilling to be a part of what God is doing around the world. I've got exciting news for you. Pastor preached my fir- the first part of my message today, and Mark preached part two. So in closing, well, no, you're not going to get off the hook that easily. Some in the room might say, I think I heard Pastor say there's going to be an offering later. Sounds like another missions thing, and I know this isn't you, but... Some of the churches across America, they're just, it's kind of like, uh-oh, we're going to be talking about money for the next half hour. And I just don't know about, well, hey, let me put your mind totally at ease, okay? That's all we're going to talk about for the next half hour. And so uh, you don't even have to worry about it. It's cool. The reality is we're not talking about money. We're talking about obedience. And there will be an opportunity at the end simply to be a part of what God is doing. I, uh, I've shared the illustration time and again. As a matter of fact, Pastor Joe, I may have got to share it here because it's always been something that I've leaned on just a little bit when the young lad gave away his tack lunch so that the thousands of people could be fed. Uh, sometimes people will go, well, if this is all about students giving, then why do you bother us on a Sunday morning? Well, somebody is the one who actually filled that bag that he could have something to give. And so today we pause for the next few minutes and ask parents and grandparents at the close of the message, what would Jesus ask you to do to help that happen in a few weeks. As a matter of fact, Pastor Joe will be gathering with other youth leaders. I think I get to preach that one, as a matter of fact. And uh, they're going to be setting goals for the entire year. And what begins in this service today is going to be pivotal in making this probably the most incredible year in the history of this church. Pastor Steve, it's great to be with you. I've, I feel like we know each other. Our paths have crossed. Anybody that's been in youth ministries are around it as long as we have. And uh, when he was saying that uh, he was in uh, Mark's student ministries, that scares me. I leaned over to him. I said, I got kids that were in my youth group that are showing me pictures of their grandchildren now, you know, so that's kind of bad. But uh, one of the joys of life is being able to represent how God is using a younger generation to do what no other generation has done. Did you hear that, that first part that Mark was talking about? Now, I've been involved with Speed the Light either as a district youth director or as national director and now getting to preach across the nation, be involved in these things. I've been doing that for more than 30 years. There's been dreams in the past, but no state, no district in America has ever given more than $1 million in a single year. Minnesota, you did that. As a matter of fact, I've got a confession for you, okay? I, I, the first week of this year, I preached Speed the Light Tour in Alabama, now, I have nothing but love for my friends in Alabama. Now, I'm from Oklahoma. I'm a Sooner, and that means I'm living in depression, and, uh, and I lived with all that Roll Tide garbage. for. But anyway, and all that stuff for a week. And, and, uh, but, but I was able to console myself with sweet tea and catfish for the week, and so it worked out well. But I, I had a little bit of fun in that process because all I was hearing was how amazing we are in football and all that kind of thing. And I said, well, in a few weeks, in a few weeks, I'm going north of here, and uh, they've kind of done something that uh, the tide has never done. 
Guess who the number two state in giving to Speed the Light is? Alabama. You're amazing. So I kind of had a lot of fun saying, that's all right. You guys just keep tossing the pigskin, and we'll reach the world in Minnesota. So it's all going to be good, you know. But I always like to point this out as well. You'll hear this in a few weeks. That million dollars plus that you've given, Mark Dean has already spent it or committed it to missions projects around the world. It's gone. That man can spend money quicker than my wife. And that's pretty amazing. I uh, had a young person one day said, uh, Brother Tom, have you ever been to Walmart? (laughs) I said, that's my wife's second home. Are you kidding? And so anyway, she's probably there right now, you know. No, she's in the house of God, of course. But the reality is I, I, I did hear a pastor pray this prayer in a missions meeting a few weeks ago that it's so simple, and yet, I've, and yet when he said it, I thought, wow, how profound. He said, God, you're the only one that can turn dollars into souls. It really is reality, and today we want to be a part of what God is doing. Would you take your Bibles? I should have told you this already because it may not be the easiest thing to find. So turn in your Bible or mobile device to the book of Lamentations. Lamentations chapter number 3. <laughs> I don't know about you, but if, if I'm sitting where you are, I'm thinking uh, this is going to be really uplifting. We're reading from Lamentations. Probably not the most exciting book of the Bible. As a matter of fact, go with me to verse number 22, and we'll begin reading with that verse. Would you stand with me very quickly as we honor the reading of God's Word today? Pastor, thank you again. What an honor to be in your pulpit today and with your people. Those of you that are guests today, maybe this is your first time here, please come back next Sunday so you can hear good preaching, okay? And uh, uh, you you've found, you've found the right place to be a part of this family. How incredible. Verse 22, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his, pa- his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Am I the only person in the room that has ever read a portion of God's Word and suddenly you find yourself almost in a debate and say, wait a minute, I can't believe it said that. Surely God did. And I must admit to you, I know I was confused. I later discovered it. But when I read this passage in personal devotions, I said, wait a minute, why is it good that somebody should wait for salvation? Did you hear what we... And and I, I went back over it three times. I'm a little bit slow. And I finally discovered... The Scripture wasn't saying it's good that one should wait for salvation. It basically says that while one is waiting, it's good that one should hope. Pastor Mark said 41% of the world has never heard the name of Jesus. I've been given estimates that more than half the world's population, though they may have heard the name of Jesus on occasion, have never heard an adequate presentation of the gospel of Christ. More than three and a half billion people waiting for the opportunity of salvation. And the only thing they all have in common is those four letters, H-O-P-E, hope. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. What a blessing it is to be gathered in your house today. 
Lord, most of us, we don't know what it is to not know the good news. Some of us, we've heard it all of our lives and we're almost spoiled. Help us today, those of us that have been so overwhelmingly blessed for so long to understand that you've given us so much that today we get to be a part of helping others to know you. Help us to leave this place knowing we heard from you, we were obedient, in some cases courageous to believe you for great things. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, we've already spoken of the fact that yours truly has been around youth ministry for a long time. When serving as a district youth director, we were doing what Minnesota does probably better than any state in the union, and that was we would go from high school to high school, and it was always a big challenge of being able to get into the schools because, after all, everybody knows that the last thing you need to be is a preacher in a local public school because, well, we've got our laws. I would many times walk into a school, sit down with a principal, and Try to give them peace and comfort and understanding that uh, you don't need to worry about it. I'm not here as a preacher today. I know the limitations. I'll not use certain words. You know, I'm fully aware, and and uh, I know you're afraid of the Antichrist liberation. Excuse me, the ACLU and and all of those things. I'm fully aware of all of the the laws of the land. Well, one particular time, I'm invited invited by a school to come and do a school assembly. Pretty excited about that. Most of the time, as I said, I would try to calm the nerves of the local principal that everything's going to be all right. This particular time, I'm the one that got very nervous. Walked through the front door. I wasn't escorted to the principal's office. The principal was there at the front door to greet me. The principal was taller than me. The principal was wider than me. The principal was much bulkier than me. She looked at me. She threw her arms around me. I began feeling like I'm going to lose credentials and everything else with the Assemblies of God because of this scene that's happening at the front of the school. It was an embarrassing moment. She was excited that we were there. She invited us to come down to her office. We walked into the office. And if you've ever been in the principal's office, this was unusual. There were beautiful lace doilies that were there. There was a teapot waiting for us. There was homemade cookies. And I've got this feeling I'm, I'm going to be poisoned. This is a Hansel and Gretel thing or something. You know, this isn't good. And then she really made me nervous. She looked at me and she said, in a few minutes, you're going to be speaking to my children. She was speaking of the students of her school. And This was her words to us. She said, I understand that you are a man of God. I thought, you haven't talked to my wife, but nevertheless, okay. She said, here's here's what I want to ask you to do when you talk to my children. I said, okay. She said, would you make sure that you tell them about your God? I'm not prepared for that. What are you talking about? You're a preacher. Not, Not when I walk into the public school. She then looked at me and she said, would you make sure that every one of my students have the opportunity to know your God? These are her words. She said, you do whatever is necessary. You you teach them how to pray before you leave. I mean, I'm getting all these. Now understand, I've got this drill sergeant of a principal commanding me what I'm going to be doing inside her classroom. 
scared to death. I walked from her office down the hallway. We went inside that student auditorium. It was filled at capacity, not only every student in the building. There were teachers that were gathered around the walls. It looked like there had been invited guests that came to join us. They introduced me that day, and I don't mind telling you it was a big, challenging moment. Now, now some of you right now are going, well, the guys from Oklahoma, they sure do things differently there versus where we live. No, no, no. That, that particular day, I wasn't in Oklahoma. I wasn't in Minnesota. I was actually nowhere in the United States of America, and I spoke with a translator in a high school in Angarsk, Siberia. It was not all that far removed at that time from the fall of communism. As a matter of fact, there were some folks, this is seven time zones the other side of Moscow. Many of them did not know about the fall of communism at that point. We were the very first Americans in the city in more than 70 years. We were given the key to the city by the mayor. It was like we were celebrities because of these Americans that came in. And when word got out that we were Christians in a nation that had been declared atheistic, That day I did what she had commanded for me to do, and it was a shocking altar response. Not not too many times do you experience this when at least 80% of the hands went up that they would like to accept Christ as their Savior, and uh, there were were teachers with tears rolling down their eyes. It was a pretty sacred moment, something this preacher had never experienced. Later that afternoon, we were allowed to go to the classrooms and answer questions for the, the students, and, uh, and many times it was through translators, but the, many of those students had been taking English classes from the time that they, well, as far as, as long as they could remember. Some of them, they spoke probably better English than some of us that were there as guests. Many of the classrooms, they would ask, now you've got to remember, this is back in the early 90s, and so there were questions like, do you know Michael Jordan? Have you ever been to Disneyland? Understanding these are people who knew the names of Michael Jordan and heard of Disneyland, but they'd never heard of Jesus or the prospects of heaven. One student said, "Uh, excuse me, do you you know Arnold Schwarzenegger? I said, no, I'm just built like him. But other than that, that's about all we have in common. And they laughed just like you did. But nevertheless, cut through the chase. One young lady stood up. She lifted a hand at the same time. I'll never forget that moment, long dark hair. I could see her eyes to this day. Eyes are indeed a window to the soul. She said, sir, may I ask my question in English? I said, that would be wonderful. These were her words. Sir, do you sincerely believe that there's any hope for my beloved Russia? He was taking me to task for the things that I had shared that day. She wasn't debating. She wasn't arguing. It was a very sincere question. I must admit to you that when she said that, do you sincerely believe that there's any hope for my beloved Russia? I could have given her the preacher answers very, very quickly, but you know what? I had already shared that in the school assembly. I felt that proverbial check in my spirit. If ever I felt the Holy Spirit give words to me for the moment, this was my reply. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, you looked at that hope in the mirror this morning. Now, I don't mind telling you, there's some of my colleagues that 
would probably push back on me. Tom, you shouldn't be telling students that they are the hope of their nation. I mean, after all, it's Jesus Christ. I'm fully aware of that. And you know what? I went on and explained to her that if friends like you, of yours and people like you, if you'll go home and share with your family the things that you've learned today, she was one of the students that had lifted her hand and prayed the sinner's prayer when they didn't know what prayer was. I explained my, but, but I don't mind telling you that particular moment, Mark, it was like that was when Speed the Light became more relevant to me than ever. That's exactly what you're doing as a district youth director. Joe, that's what you do every time you stand in front of your young people and ask them to be involved and setting a personal goal for Speed the Light. And, and parents, when you hear about your children setting goals and you get, and you get kind of thrown back and, and an immediate response, are you kidding? You don't have that kind of money. But the harsh reality is that 72 years ago when when God spoke to a young man by the name of Ralph Harris gave him an unusual idea that we should begin challenging students across the assemblies of God to provide transportation for missionaries around the world. The original idea was to buy an old retired military plane and fly missionaries to Africa because there was no other transportation in World War II. It was all reserved for soldiers. First year they asked, in 1944, they asked students in the Assemblies of God, if everybody would just give a dollar apiece, we could buy that airplane and we could fly our missionaries to the other side of the world. They thought he was crazy, but he began asking. People began sending their dollar offerings in that year. They raised over $30,000. They bought the retired military plane that had been set. It wasn't considered safe enough for soldiers, but we flew missionaries to Africa. It was said that those missionaries never came home because they didn't want to get on that plane again. But that was when the beginning of when the Assemblies of God discovered we're not only going to send our missionaries, but we're going to give them the tools to make this thing happen. And today, as Pastor described, it can be a four-wheel drive that takes missionaries to places that there's no roads. We've got speed the light vehicles that have breathers on the side because the only way to get to the other side of the river is not over a bridge, but through the river. God does amazing things to make that happen. Today, there are speed the light vehicles that are being used in Siberia to take missionaries on snowmobiles. It's not recreational. It's a matter of it's the only way for our missionary heroes to get there. Do you sincerely believe there's any hope that people that are waiting to hear about Jesus the first time, Green, we're half a world behind in taking this gospel to every creature. Do you really believe it can happen? I've never been more convinced in all of my life because in today's world of the Assemblies of God, we have more than 35 missionary heroes that are scattered in 250 nations and territories around the world and because somebody believed that our students could be hope deliverers, our missionaries the hope of those that are waiting for their salvation message we're getting there quicker than we ever have before in days gone by Time doesn't allow me to tell you today how God is using technology where Speed the Light is providing Kindles, where the textbooks can be downloaded and train students around the world, where paper and printing presses are not even available. Time doesn't allow me to give you the detailed reports of how it's Speed the Light that's providing the servers for a 24-7 online evangelism ministry known as Network 21-1. But Speed the Light has been at the forefront in equipping those missionaries. Time doesn't 
allow me today to tell you the full story of a missionary that requested a boat and motor for his ministry along the Amazon River. The Arkansas District Youth Director, when requested for that, he said, Tom, I laughed because I thought, we don't need to be providing speed the light money so missionaries can go fishing. Well, this missionary was a modern-day Simon, Peter, and Andrew because he was a fisherman, but it wasn't for fish. It was for the lost souls, and he wanted a, he wanted a speed-the-light boat and motor that would take him to places that had never seen or heard even white people for that matter, but they got to hear about Jesus. Today, that speed-the-light boat and motor that was used to deliver the message is now being used to deliver lumber and the necessary materials to build churches all up and down the Amazon River where vehicles can't even get there. This is the hour we live in. Do you really believe there's any hope for those that are waiting in darkness? The light has never been brighter. The opportunity has never been greater. And I like to put it this way. I I really believe with all of my heart, Joe, the generation that you're leading, pastor, the next generation that you're reaching out to, that vision that you have for the future. The reality is we're probably, wait a minute, I'm going to give you a quick opinion, but I think we are the first generation that will stand before God without excuse in fulfilling the Great Commission. So how do we make that happen? Well, quite frankly, while we celebrate more than a million dollars, I don't know the facts and figures. I'm not leading Speed the Light any longer. They don't give me the details, but I think it's pretty safe to say that there's millions of dollars worth of projects that are waiting. Tom, somebody ought to just write the check for that. Well, you know what? I could write the check for that, but I'd be in jail tomorrow. What I can do is my part, and today I find myself following the leadership of students across America and Minnesota. Did you hear, Pastor Mark? I, I'm trying to picture an 11-year-old. How could, any, how could anybody tell, turn down an 11-year-old that's trying to sell chapstick to reach their world? It's pretty incredible. I think I've told the story here. I'll never forget the first time that my own daughter set a $300 goal for Speed the Light. And I was district youth director, and I'm the first one telling her, that can't happen. Are you crazy? You don't have $300. You're 12 years old. But by the end of her school year, she had given over $400. Scared me to death. I thought she's out walking off Walmart or something, you know. When I pressed her, I later discovered, Daddy, you give me lunch money every morning. I kind of figured I could live without lunch. She would spend her lunch hours praying for missionaries as she gave lunch money to change her world. That little girl today is an almost 40-year-old evangelist wife that's being involved in ministry literally around the world, including Saudi Arabia. Don't ask how, I'd have to kill you. But it all started because a youth pastor asked a student to look in a mirror called the Holy Spirit and say, Jesus, do you think you could use me? Do you really believe that could happen? I met a young lady, 17 years old, Phoenix City, Alabama, just a few weeks ago. Her youth pastor said, Tom, she had a $300 goal, but I think she gave more than that. And I said, Hannah, you gave more than $300 last year. I love this, Mark. Only teenagers can respond this way. Well, Brother Tom, I don't know the exact figure, but it was about $707 in some sense. 
I had the nerve to ask her how. And she just kind of grinned. She said, well, it's kind of embarrassing. I said, well, kind of talk to me about it. She said, well, I've heard people talk about missionaries shouldn't have to be beggars. And I kind of figured, I guess I could do that for a little bit. And she said, I went into my room and I designed a Speed the Light brochure. This is today's American teenager. Might have happened on her iPad, her laptop, I don't know. And she said, I designed my Speed the Light brochure. I went to the local Winn-Dixie, the grocery store. I was hoping she would say Piggly Wiggly. Wouldn't that have been a fun story to tell? But She said, I went down to the local Winn-Dixie, and I talked to the manager and told him what I'd like to do, and he even set up a table for me. And I sat in front of the store, and I would hand people my brochures, and I got to tell them about Speed the Light. And I didn't even ask them, but people would say, can I be a part of what you're doing? And they started giving. She led two people to Christ on the doors of Winn-Dixie, being a beggar for our missionary. The stories are absolutely limitless. One one 16-year-old young man walked up to me. He said, I'm going to give $1,000 this year. Well, I was pretty excited about it. I even got more excited when he said, you want to know how I'm going to do it? I said, man, you better tell me. He said, I got a job. I make $100 a week. You look into his eyes, and you'd think you saw the next Bill Gates. He's making $100 a week. But I loved his next words. I, I wanted to take him across America because I thought he could be teaching adults about this. He said, I pay $10 a week tithe. Did you hear that? That's a teenager that's figured out what too many adults have never figured out. I don't give my tithe. That's God's money. I just pay it back. I always reminded students, and when I was National Speed the Light Director, I'd say, now don't you give your tithe to Speed the Light. We don't want missionaries driving stolen vehicles. Today, please understand that this offering isn't going to be about your tithe. That belongs to the local church. He said, Brother Tom, I got to thinking about it. If I gave $20 a week for the next 50 weeks, that would be $1,000. So I got so excited. Not because he's going to give $1,000, but think about it. That was an American teenager that could multiply. The days of miracles aren't over. Sarah, age 14, started a cookie business and raised over $400 in five days. Her parents thought she was crazy, but she asked mom to take the cookies to her beauty shop and sell them. She was asking five bucks a dozen. No way, are you kidding? When people found out what it was for, they started paying 10 and 20 and $25, and one lady wrote a check for $100 for a dozen chocolate chip cookies. But it all started because students looked in a mirror called the Holy Spirit and they saw hope for their world. Do you sincerely believe there's any hope? Absolutely. Today I'm going to be very gut level honest with you the further I go down the road. The reality is some of the vehicles that Pastor Mark has the responsibility to purchase for missionaries, not only from Minnesota, but you help other missionaries that don't have anybody to help them. We say thank you for that. Today's Speed the Light vehicles may cost anywhere from $20,000, in some cases, $50,000 to $60,000. I visited with a missionary last week. His Speed the Light vehicle was $30,000. The problem was, in order to get the vehicle into the country, it was 100% taxation. Tom, don't they know we're nonprofit? Well, they don't in every other country of the world. Somebody spoke up and said, was it really worth it? And, I'm, and I'll admit, it's the preacher in me. My immediate thought was, 
Are you kidding me? I'm glad God didn't ask him. I worth the price of his son. Whatever it takes. So today we come into the room and we pause and we say, hey, would you help not, you're not helping Pastor Joe, even though he's dreaming the exciting dreams. Could you, could you help Pastor Steve? Because I already know this man well enough. He's wanting to step forward. And my goodness, the greatest days of this church are just ahead. And missions will be at the forefront. I've already picked that up from that spirit. Today, we're not doing it for Mark Dean, although he's the greatest DYD in America. And I'll, I, 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 do you really believe that? Yes, and I'll believe it when I'm in Mississippi this week. But anyway, but... Uh, I know this much. Today when we pause, I'm going to ask you as adults to do what we've asked students to do in every case. When I tell you the stories of my own daughter, it's because a youth pastor believed that she could be used to touch her world. When I tell you the story of a little cookie maker in Montana by the name of Sarah, it's because somebody believed that she could be involved in changing her world. And today, well, the truth is I'm going to ask you to look in the mirror of the Holy Spirit and see the hope of someone's salvation when we hear the voice of God. I take you back to state of Montana for just a moment. It was there that one of our missionary heroes was speaking on a series of, well, quite frankly, it was like for the lost tour. And that was what men's ministries does, similar to what our youth ministries does. But this was such a great illustration of the faith of a child inspiring another adult. And the missionary speaker had been invited to speak every night that week in a different place around the state. On a Tuesday night, he came to the end of the message, and the tradition of that particular ministry at the time was to post the projects on the wall, and people would make commitments towards certain projects, and uh, well, it, uh, it came time for them to begin doing that, and everybody got up from their seats, and they're walking around the room, and there was a little girl that wasn't tall enough to see the projects on the wall, and she couldn't read everything. As a matter of fact, at the time, I think she was all of four or five years old, and she got excited what the missionary was saying. And he said, while others are making their faith promise commitment, she's over there digging through her purse. This little more than a toddler takes out her plastic purse. She gets so frustrated when she's trying to get, because you know what? In her purse, she's got everything. She's got Kleenexes, maybe a chapstick. I mean, you know, everything that a little girl needs to take care of herself. He got so frustrated, he said she took that plastic purse, she turned it upside down and began dumping everything that was inside, and it was going everywhere over the floor. That little sweetheart picked up every coin that came out. There was one $1 bill. She picked it up. They later discovered it totaled $3.42. She cupped that money in her hand. She walked over to her missionary hero, and she lifted it up, and she said, would you tell somebody about Jesus for me? Two nights later, that same missionary is telling her story in another place in Montana. It was time for them to make commitments uh, to those projects that were shown on the wall. But, well, there was kind of a problem that presented itself. Probably the best-dressed man in the room, the person that showed up in the suit and tie and looked like a million-dollar businessman, he never budged. He sat there at his table, and he never budged. And quite frankly, the state director of that ministry got a little bit upset because he's thinking, you know, this isn't right. The commitments came in that night. It was an exciting moment. The missionary had told about the little girl. Soon the room was dismissed. It emptied, but that same businessman was sitting there and had never budged from that chair. 
My friend, the leader, walked over, introduced himself, and he said, Sir, is there anything I can do to help you? And there's a little bit of a crack in his voice. This man looked at him, and he said, Sir, I, I've just been trying to obey God, and I think this is what he's asked me to do. Would you take every other project that's on the walls if it hasn't been committed to? Would you? Would, you, would I be troubling you too much to add that up? I think God told me to pay for every one of those projects. My friend, the leader, Mark, you can imagine, he got so excited. He's fumbling all over himself. He's trying to find a calculator to add it up. And soon they discovered there was more than $4,800 worth of unmet projects. Businessman reached into his pocket in his jacket, pulls out a checkbook, starts writing the check. Suddenly he stopped. He pulled that check out. He tore it up. And the leader was immediately thinking, well, it was fun while it lasted. And then the businessman looked at him and he said, Sir, there's one project you talked about that I don't see represented here, but I think God spoke to my heart about that. Would you mind if I make this check for an extra $20,000? Have you already gathered that you wouldn't ask somebody like me that question? He wrote a check for $24,800, handed it to the leader, my friend, with trembling hands, took the check. He looked at him. He said, Tom, I couldn't even find the words. I was trying to thank him. I'd never received an individual offering like that. I was, truth is, I was embarrassed to receive it. Finally, the businessman looked at him, and he said, Sir, what you don't understand, I still haven't given as much as that little girl did. There's money left in the account. She gave everything. Today, I think you get the idea. Mark Dean and I could bore you for the next three days telling you story after story after story of young people, students, most of whom have sacrificially seen themselves as just a ray of hope in a very dark world. No, I'm not asking that anybody in the room would pull out a checkbook. No, no, no. Well, maybe. Write a check for 24800 Like I said, I'd be in jail tomorrow. But what I am going to do is I'm going to ask you what I said to that young lady in Russia. You looked at that hope in the mirror this morning. It may be the face that you've shaved. It may be the makeup that you've put on that face. I, today... I'm going to ask you to come alongside the young people of this church who are writing their own stories. And Joe, you, I got a feeling you've got a lot of great stories from your own students through the years. It, it doesn't just happen. I don't know of too many youth pastors that can write a check for more than $7,000. I, I think it came somewhere. But would you help us to help them, to help the missionaries, to help the hurting that are waiting for the story that will redeem them for eternity. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that someone, it may have been in a pastor, it may have been an evangelist, it may have been a co-worker on the job, Lord, it may have been a neighbor, it may have been a best friend who discovered and came to us. And somebody told us the story. Somebody gave us the opportunity. Today we sit in this room, products of an investment along the way.
God, would you speak to people in this room today just again in that still, small voice? What would you have us to do? I want to ask you to keep your heads bowed for just a moment. Pastor's getting ready to come and lead us into perhaps, well, this is a very sacred moment in the history of the church. Any time that we just commit ourselves to hearing from God. I wouldn't dare try to play God and suggest that you do this or that or the other, but I can tell you this. I've never been disappointed when somebody was just, I just think this is what God's asking me to do. God spoke to me the other night. and I, I know it won't stop here, but I'm, I'm thinking, you know what, I need to go home and write a check because I, I enjoy the car I drive. I think I could probably give another month's payment just to, be able to provide a missionary the wheels that they need because God provides means. Whatever it is that God speaks to your heart today, pastor, would you come lead your people, your congregation into what could very well be the beginning of a miracle of those that